Hello, and welcome to Field Notes, the weekly podcast of the Military Fellowship Center in Jacksonville, North Carolina, serving Marines stationed at Cap Lejeune and surrounding areas. Military Fellowship Center is a ministry of Military Evangelism Incorporated. Our speaker and host for the program is Dave Mason, the General Director of Military Evangelism and the Field Director at Jacksonville. Visit us on the web at militaryfellowshipministry.com or email us at militaryfellowshipctr at gmail.com. Now, here's Dave Mason. Welcome back to Field Notes. We are in our eighth week now of the study of the book of John, and we move into John chapter 2 now, moving full steam ahead into Jesus' earthly ministry, and specifically the miracles that he performed. Now, John is a book of miracles. John records more miracles than any of the other Gospels, and he records them for the purpose of proving the deity of Christ. And in our passage today, John chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, we see the first miracle or sign that Christ performed that's recorded, the changing of water into wine. Now, wine in Scripture is indicative alternately as a source of joy and a source of cursing. As with anything, overindulgence can cause pain and hurt. And in our passage here, Christ gives those at the wedding an opportunity to continue in joy. In this story, we'll find out who Jesus performs miracles for, how he does them, and why he does them. So let's jump right into Scripture. John chapter 2, verse 1. And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. So Jesus is there, he's at the wedding, and there's a problem, and he's going to be helping somebody. Now, verse 1 says the third day. It's actually three days later. We've already went through four days in John chapter 1. Uh, day 1 was John one nineteen, uh, John one twenty nine. the next day, John one thirty five. the next day, John one forty three. the next day. So that's four days, and now three days later, we're in the seventh day of his ministry. Does that sound like it might be important? The seventh day is a day of rest. And this is a day of rest, a day of joy, uh, celebrating a, a wedding. And Jesus is near his home now. He's eight miles north of Nazareth in Cana of Galilee. And the wedding, we're not sure who this wedding was for. Uh, it could be friends of his, could be friends of Nathaniel, because Nathaniel was from Cana. Uh, John 21 2 tells us that. But we know that Jesus was there, his six disciples at this time, Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, and Nathaniel. His mother was there. Now, she's not mentioned by name by John, just his mother. And that's consistent with his practice throughout Scripture. He doesn't give her name. Uh, perhaps this is because John was given the task by Jesus on the cross to take care of his mother after Christ's death. And therefore, he's uh, respecting her privacy and, and keeping her uh, name out of this um, because he had a much more close, a much closer relationship to her than the other disciples. Uh, but uh, So we know she's there, we know the disciples there, and, and this is a big turning point here because it shows us the difference between Jesus and John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a recluse. He, went, he was a recluse. He went out into the wilderness, and people had to come to him in order to be baptized. Jesus went into the world. He fellowshiped with others. He tried to make an impact where people were. And so he's here. He's at this wedding, and in verse number 3 it says, When they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. So there's a need. 
Now, Jewish wedding feasts could last a long, sometimes it could last as long as a week, and poor families would have to save so they could have enough food and wine to avoid the embarrassment of running out before the party was over. And Jewish law actually could find the family that failed to provide adequately at a feast. So Mary approaches Jesus for two reasons. One, she's close to the family that's in trouble. And two, she knows that only he could solve this problem. Now, I want you to note that she doesn't tell him what to do. She only reports the problem. That's, that's a big difference between prayer today and prayer back then, I think. We tell God what we think he needs to do. Here Jesus is told by Mary just what the problem is. Perhaps we would see the Lord work far more in our lives if we would just remind him of the problem. He doesn't need reminding. He likes us to just enter into it, though, and just say, hey, there, here's, here's my problem. Do as you will. And we see Mary say that later on. Just whatever he says, do. And so there's this problem, and it's got to do with wine. Now, I'm not going to go into a big, long discussion about wine in the Bible. I could talk about new wine, unfermented wine, old wine, uh, fruit of the vine, all those sorts of things, and, and talk about you know um, Jews delight, diluting their wine three to one with water uh, as they were want to do. But let me just say this about wine and alcohol. I think that the Bible is pretty clear about alcohol. Proverbs 20 and 1 says, Wine is a mocker, and strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. And so, the Bible, I think, is teaching us very clearly that wine is a It is a substance that can deceive you. And when you're deceived, you're not wise. And when you're deceived and you're not wise, it's very easy to sin. Therefore, I think it's very clear that the Bible condemns being drunk. Now, there's one sure way you can ensure you never get drunk and sin by being drunk. And that is to not drink alcohol. Now, there are verses in the Bible like Psalm 104, 15, and wine makes the heart, the, the glad, makes glad the heart of man. Wine makes glad the heart of man, and oil makes his face to shine, and bread strengthens man's heart. And so, there are verses like that. But, I think it is incumbent upon a child of God to abstain from alcohol if for no other reason than this. I've got two things. The first reason is this. I think we abstain because it keeps others safe. 1 Corinthians 8 9, Paul says, Take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to those that are weak. In 1 Corinthians 10 23, Paul says, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things do not edify. Wherefore, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no one offense, neither Jews nor Gentiles nor the church of God. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. Folks, there are people who may be able to handle small amounts of alcohol, but there are a lot of people who can't handle any amount of alcohol. 
And if I partake and they see me taking it, especially me being a preacher, they will feel some sort of liberty to take part in that. Then they get drunk, they sin, and quite frankly, I've got some guilt in there because I've given them the opportunity because I've I've become a stumbling block to them. They're weaker than I am when it comes to alcohol. Look, I'm not tempted by alcohol whatsoever. You could crack a beer open, sit it right in front of me. I have absolutely no temptation to drink that, none whatsoever. It's not it's not in me. I don't I don't care for it. But if I did, my worry would be that those who are weak in that could stumble, and therefore, so that my brother doesn't stumble, I stay away from it. And it brings me to my second reason why I don't drink. The Holy Spirit is enough. Paul says to the Ephesian church, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And my question to you when you say, well, I just, I like a little drink, it makes me happy, uh, it, it, you know, it's, it's a social thing. And my question is, isn't the Holy Spirit enough? I mean, isn't he enough? He, he makes you glad. He is your oil of gladness. He, he is the one who brings you joy. If the Holy Spirit of God resides within you, what do you need wine for? Why do you need alcohol? I don't need anything to make me happy. I have he who is joy living in my heart. He keeps me happy. I don't need anything else to help me. Now let's get back to our text. John 2, 4. Jesus said unto her, Woman, what do I have to do with thee? My hour is not yet come. His mother said unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith to you, do it. And there were there set six water pots of stone after the manner of purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus said unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said unto them, Draw out now and bear to the governor of the feast, and they bear it. So Jesus' response to Mary was, what do I have to do? It's not my time. Now, he's not being disrespectful to his mother. He's reminding her that she should no longer think of him solely as her son, but now also as her savior. See, she talked to him like she's his mom. And that's okay, except he's coming up to a point in his life now where she has to see him differently. See, there's a new concept being introduced here in John's Gospel, the hour. You know, why are you saying this to me? My hour has not yet come. He's about to. He's about to embark into this big time of ministry. See, Jesus lived on God's timetable. He did things at the exact time God wanted them done. But despite that, we see God being flexible with man, willing to help because our sins throw us out of his timing. And even though this isn't Jesus' time, he goes ahead and performs this miracle because he is flexible with us a little bit. He understands, I am thankful that God can use my sinful attempts at pleasing him and use them for the glory of his, of his gospel. God has a very strong set of rules has a very strong set of ideas. He has a very strong set of commandments, absolutely. But he does flex a little bit and helps a little bit because he understands we are sinners. 
That doesn't give us any kind of leeway. It doesn't give us any kind of license to go out and sin. Romans chapter 6 is very clear about that. We die to our sins. Therefore, we don't walk in them anymore just so grace can abound even more. And yet God does flex a little bit here. And so Mary says to the servants, do whatever he says. Her prayer is being answered. She just said, here's the problem. He said, what he said about what his timing is. And she says, well, just do whatever he says. And she she leaves it at that. So Jesus says, okay, here's these six water pots over here. They're used for external cleansing. They're they're." part of the ritual for external cleansing that the Jews entered into. And that's all about appearances. The wine that was wanted at this wedding was for inner joy. That's all about relationships. And so I want you to note that the Lord's first miracle is a quiet miracle. Verse 7, Jesus says to those servants, fill the pot, water pots with water. It was only known by a select few. His very first miracle was very quiet. But his last miracle was public and astonishing. Seen by over 500 at one time, risen from the grave. So this first miracle, I think it's interesting that the manner of the miracle is that it only turned into wine when it was drawn. They filled up water pots with water. And he said, now draw the water out. Once the water was drawn out, it became wine. There's an important lesson for us to learn, learn there. God performs miracles when they are needed and only for as long as they are needed. One of my favorite sayings when I was pastoring was this, blessings are temporary. We need to remember that. Blessings are temporary. Just because God healed you of this certain thing at this time doesn't mean that it might not come back later. Doesn't mean that you might not be afflicted with another affliction right afterwards. Just because God brought you through a, a financial difficulty doesn't mean that another one's not waiting down the road. Blessings are temporary. The only blessing that is eternal is the salvation of the soul. And that's because the empty tomb... <laughs> is that eternal miracle. Eternal miracle. That's the only thing we've got. And we think we have that. We, we think we have the empty tomb, but we're not sure that that's the tomb. But that's the only physical evidence. And there's nothing in there. Go to Jerusalem. Go to the empty tomb. That thing is picked clean. Everybody who's gone through their last few thousand years has just pulled every little pebble, every little piece of dirt that's in there that's free. That thing is smooth. But there's no physical evidence other than the writings that Jesus performed one miracle. But we know he did. It was a quiet miracle, this first one. John 2 and verse 9. And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, didn't know where it came from, but the servants who drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom and said unto him, Every man at the beginning sets forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then they set forth that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles Jesus did in Cana of Galilee, and manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. And after this he went into Capernaum, he and his mother and his brethren, 
and his disciples, and they continued there not many days. So why did he do this? Why, what was the purpose of Jesus turning the water into wine? To manifest his glory. There was a need for proof that Jesus was unlike any other who ever came before him. Unlike any other who ever came before him. And a quiet miracle is a great evidence that the person who created, who performed that miracle was unlike anyone ever. Who ever heard of a quiet miracle? And when, when a miracle happens, people shout it. People tell it all over the place. And throughout the scriptures, you see Jesus performing quiet miracles. He heals somebody and says, don't tell anybody. Just go to the temple and pay the tax and make the offering that Moses commanded. But don't tell anybody. See, all the Jews knew of miracles was, was public, profound, published miracles. Jesus performed some quiet miracles to start off. Why? Because he wanted to show us how, jo how the joy of the Lord works. See, man's joy seeps away like weaker and weaker wine. God's joy gets stronger as time goes on. God always saves the best for last. What you're going through in this world right now, the, 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 the good things that are happening to you right now, they're nothing compared to the glory that's waiting for you. That is why this miracle was quiet, to give us this picture of how the work of God in our lives starts small and quiet, and it grows, and it grows, and it grows. And Jesus performed this miracle, and then he performed other miracles so that men would believe on him. But miracles alone are not enough proof to believe. Miracles alone are not enough proof to believe that someone is from God, because there are others who can do miracles. Second Thessalonians 2.9, Even him who's coming after the working of Satan with all powers and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Satan can perform miracles. The Antichrist will perform miracles. So miracles alone are not proof that someone is of God. So let's sum up this a little bit. Say a couple things and we'll be done. Jesus has the power to fill empty water pots. Filled with only what can cleanse the outside. Filled anew with something that can fill the emptiness of our insides. Jesus can take our bodies, fill with just flesh, just blood, just sinfulness, and He can refill them with something that can not only fill, that could not only fill our bodies physically, but fill the emptiness of our souls. The difference between the world and God, the world offers you its best first, gets you hooked, and then draws back. Jesus gives you the best now, and it just keeps getting better. God works with man as he helps us, but we have to act if he is to help. Right? Jesus didn't just say, water pots fill up with wine. He told the workers, fill the water pots up with water. There was some action in there. There was some working with him. And then finally, even when we're out of God's timing, he's still willing to work with us. I'm so thankful for that. Aren't you?
So let me ask you this week, has Jesus filled the emptiness inside of you? Has he filled the emptiness inside of you? Have you accepted him as Lord and Savior? And then the last question, are you expecting his hand of help? Or are you demanding his hand of help? It's kind of like a little kid. When they expect something from their parents, they usually get it. But when they demand something, oh, ho, ho. That's a different story, isn't it? The first miracle of Jesus. A picture of our inner joy with him. Next week, Jesus is going to turn over the tables in the temple. And he's going to preach. And people are going to supposedly get saved. As we wrap up John chapter 2 next week. God bless you. Thank you again for listening. Keep us in prayer down here in Jacksonville as we continue to reach Marines with the Word of God. Uh, God is doing some amazing things down here, and we are seeing uh, new Marines come into the center just about every week, and um, it's just been really, really exciting. So you keep us in prayer. Go visit our website. Uh, send me an email, militaryfellowshipctr at gmail.com. Uh, go to our Facebook page. Like us. Um, uh, go to the fieldnotes.wordpress.com blog and read our weekly updates. We have a lot of things out there to keep us in touch with you. Please keep in touch with us. Let us know how we're doing. And uh, if you would, go to iTunes and uh, leave a review. It'll help us to get further and further up on the search bar so that when people are looking for programming with Bible study and such, they'll see us a little bit quicker. Thanks again. God bless you, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for joining us for Field Notes. If you have been blessed by the preaching and teaching you have heard, consider visiting our website at militaryfellowshipministry.com and click the Donate button. Any amount will be a great help to us as we continue to reach our men and women in the military with the gospel. Join us next week as we continue our study of God's Word. God bless you.